Hello and welcome to Action Replay's Extra Time Podcast. I'm Gavin O'Callaghan. With me in the studio here is Bream McGinn and Jack O'Toole. Today we're going to talk Manchester United crashing out of the Champions League, Chelsea coming good, City coming back and Arsenal rising from the flames to claim spots in the last 16. We're also going to talk the weekend action. We also have an interview with journalist Julian Bennett, who's going to talk us through the Champions Cup rugby over the weekend. But first, lads, I'm going to start with a question here. <laughs> Hit me. Empoli drew 3-all with Juventus. Tomasco Rocci bagged a hat-trick for the home side. Then David Trezeguet claimed all three goals for Juve. With the scores of hat-tricks traditionally claiming the match ball, who gets to take it home oh. in a situation like this? The fella who scores the, the first. Guy first. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. The guy who got to get the first. So it would have been Rossi, wouldn't it? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's actually no official rule on this, but the FA, the English FA were actually asked about this there recently enough, and they did actually come out and say it is the person who completes the hat-trick first. So I wasn't really expecting you to get it that quick, though, because it took me a while to think of it. <laughs> well, it who scored the anyway, better so. hat-trick? Yeah. <laughs> Goes to the judges. <laughs> Oh well, right. Did you watch Champions League, Jack? Uh, you're a United fan, aren't you? Yeah, somewhat, but not not it, it necessarily completely. Um, which is a weird way of describing your, your fandom. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I have a passing interest in, in watching United play. And is it just embarrassment or? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's complicated. Like I supported them when I was younger, and then I went away. I moved over to Australia for years, so I didn't actually end up watching a whole heap of them, and. I don't know what they are now. They're they're a hard team to like at the moment, especially after watching them. Because I really thought from watching the bear in mind that we watched in a pub on Tuesday. Um, so I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't intently watching it, but from what we did watch, um, they seem to come out and try and play an entertaining style. They seem to play with a lot more freedom than they have in recent weeks, and you know they kind of suffered a loss almost as a consequence of it because it's it's kind of like you let them go out and play once every so often but when they seem to they seem to really it took them a long while to adapt to that style that they currently have at the moment and that once they kind of went away from it it seems yeah. to be hard for them to adapt um, from basically their usual uh, long possession trying to grind teams down style of play So what do you think about Louis van Gaal is his job in jeopardy or do you think he'll make it to the end of the season oh, I think he'll definitely make it into the end of the season uh, I think the board kind of backs him it's, it's more just you know Paul Scholes uh, Rio, Roy players, Keane yeah, it's, it's, it's the formers like getting back at him oh this isn't my Fergie you know it's this is who is this outsider alien figure at Manchester United you know but the, the way I think of it uh, going back to the Champions League uh, nil all wouldn't have done like you know they, they wouldn't have no. done I, I think PSV would have still went through if, if it was a nil all draw or a one all draw or whatever like fair play to them going out but they suffered the consequences you know yeah, they, they let had... the back door wide open and uh, it's going to be f- interesting to see now whether they're going to go back uh, at, at the weekend are they going to go back to stable boring dull or are they going to have, could you call have them a firefight title, could you call them title contenders now because of course they you can of course, you can. can. They've so many the injuries. Um, and the call who, who can't be with us today, uh, he 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 gave me a list of about eight or nine players. <laughs> bless yourself. Yeah, hope he gets back to the goal. Okay, but uh, <laughs> no, bless. Like he, they have about eight or nine injury, major injury. Like not people that are not available. You know, it's it's. You can't really work with us with that, you know. Uh, we're, we're giving out about Arsenal time and time again about their injury, their injury problems. But look mm. at you, Manchester United; they're ten times worse, you know. Yeah. They have key, key people injured. Their captain's injured. I know he's not playing well, but when when you don't, they don't seem to have any leading figures there. I know Schweinsteiger when he's come kind of there. He, he's he's put up a few, scored a few important goals over the last two or three games in the Premier League, but. Uh, it it just seems like they're lacking that leadership, you know. They're lacking that Rio Ferdinand, that Vidic, you know, that 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 Rio uh, Roy, Roy, Roy Keane, all these players who are making the the, the noises about Louis Van Gaal. But the problem is, it only seems to be them. It doesn't seem to kind of be anything concrete. So I I'd say he'll stay. Yeah, the Daily Mail actually reported that Wayne Rooney and Michael Carrick approached Van Gaal back in August because the dressing room was flat. He was flat. Yeah, the dressing room was flat oh, according really, to yeah. two senior players. Yeah. Mm. So I suppose well, that's pretty it's, it's much it's exactly it's a, it's, a, it's such a turnaround in a couple of years like seems really the prophecies coming true yeah with regards to really? well there doesn't really seem to be any lead players in the squad at the moment there's no it's, it doesn't like, seem to have any character whatsoever a lot of people no. said uh, in, well, yeah. you got, like you're such a mix like you can consider yeah. like guys like Martial and Depay coming in I mean I know Schweinsteiger but then he's Schweinsteiger coming from a different team mm. different country different continent you know and he's, he's towards the towards the latter stages of his career it's really 
it's such a shake up from that. If we look at the Ferguson title team now, it's kind of changed a lot. There's no Vidic anymore. There's no Ferdinand. There's a couple of players that are gone. There's no Van Persie. Yeah. So they've lost what was the a lot of some of the elements of what was a strong strong team. Uh, yeah. As as much as. I, I didn't like a lot of to, like Gary Neville as a player I, I despised him as a player you know uh, Rio Ferdinand never liked never took to him either you know they're great pundits and, I, and I'll give him that you know um, but uh, there's not one of them players that are like really interesting that kind of catch your eye iconic Manchester United players in that team I, I don't see someone who's going to scream someone down if they're not chasing after a ball or like Rio did you know mm. there's, there's no one or even Roy Keane as we were saying there's I think no one Rooney does to an extent he does yeah yeah yeah, yeah he does I um, but like you kind of as a captain then you also have to have like you know you have to show that you're you're, you're informed well, yourself yeah exactly you can't be the captain one of the wor- like one of the un- most underperforming players on the team exactly yeah but then again <laughs> Arsenal's club captain Mikel Arteta isn't getting a shout <laughs> at <No>. Arsenal <laughs> and they're doing perfectly fine but no I completely <laughs> understand what you're saying uh, it's it's a real funny one uh, if they're title contenders I don't think the morale is right but like they're in a position to be title contenders it's it's what they make of it now you know they're in a decent position no mm. one seems to be grabbing it by the scruff of the neck so uh it's it's a, it's a real interesting one. Yeah, another newspaper. I'll give you a quote from another newspaper this week that kind of, I'm not too sure if it's a cop-out now or it's a genuine reason, but... In the past, United Chiefs have placed a 50-50 importance on the Premier League and Champions League. However, the emphasis is now understood to be as much as 80-20 with the Premier League's new 5.1 billion television deal underlining its financial superiority over Europe's elite competition. But sure, if they're having more money over the Is European- this an excuse? Of course it's, it is. It's yeah, but I don't think I think it's also realistic as well because yeah. the, the champion, the Premiership, has now surpassed the Champions League. Because I still think the crowning jewel of European football is still the Champions League. Oh. That's I think that's bigger in terms of importance to the players is winning the Champions League. Yeah. I still I still think it's going down the, in history and the fans the fan, and the fans. I think the fans would still rather win the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, we've seen with City for years. I mean, I think their fans would at this stage, well for a long time they want the Premier League. I think now it's like they need the Champions League. Same with Chelsea for a while. Mm-hmm. Chelsea needed the Champions an addiction. League to, you know, um how was like quantify the success because mm-hmm. they won the Premier League a couple of seasons, but then it was like they needed to win the Champions League to validate their position mm-hmm. in Europe. So I think I still think that's always going to be there, but in terms of the financial uh, gain. I'm sure from maybe the club and um, the club manager might say we still want to get to win the Champions League or the Premier League but I think the the board of directors and the, the people the power brokers inside clubs would much rather do well in the Premier League considering how much money is at stake I know you're saying that's an invest but like people like these big billionaire and even trillionaire like them the Saudi Arabians you know the mm. the, 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 the sheiks but uh they they'd want they'd want to see their team winning the Champions League. Roman Abramovich had the obsession, yeah. an obsession to win it. Perez was the same, you know. Mm. It's all about the Champions League in the end of the day. Like you know, like of course I was absolutely delighted when Chelsea won the league uh, in in May. But would I, would I have been happier if they won the Champions League instead of the Premier League? Of course I would. Yeah. A second Champions League puts kind of. But you're talking you from in a English. fan perspective. Say you're Glazier or even yeah. Henry for Liverpool. I mean, you're coming into the Premier League. You've just bought an English club. You mm. know idea what <laughs> what this foreign soccer it's, game it's, is yeah but that's difficult because you know in the American game you only have one trophy you're going for in, in, yeah. in all sports it, it also depends because if you look at like the, if you look at the biggest clubs in Europe it's like they're all super super rich anyway and yeah. if they don't win the Champions League like if PSG and Man City don't if they get knocked out in the round of 16 which mm-hmm. they have over a couple yeah. of seasons like it's it, they're still going to be super rich anyway. It's not going to like have a big uh, impact <laughs> oh, well. on their finances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think for those guys, it's just like they want the crowning jewel yeah. of like winning. Mm. It's like it's like the the person who comes on the local league and brings all the best players in and stuff like that because they want to win this tournament that they never won as a child. Yeah. You know something like that. It's kind of like like that. They want the Champions League. They just I think it's more for the trophy cabinet as yeah. opposed to the coffers. Yeah, I know. I, I, it's it's an interesting one to kind of balance out because it seems like the divide is getting wider and wider as more money comes in. Do you know, it's what's your priorities. Mm. Uh, I I know from a Chelsea point of view, they planned to get to the quarter final of the Champions League at the very least last year, and they didn't, so they suffered a, a deficit of I think it was twenty million mm. million pounds last year. Do you know, so it obviously shows that. I can only speak for Chelsea that's the one I, I researched the most like, we'll be moving seems, on to them now in uh, a minute. Yeah, we, we, we will yeah thank thank God but uh, um, it just seems like that they that these clubs don't just completely ignore Champions League even though there's more money in the Premier League it seems like they have their plans their budgets in place to kind yeah. of you know have, have this have this money coming in you know 
So Chelsea Porto, they um, looked good. They looked absolutely. Fa- they were eight and a half out of ten. I give them uh, only because it could have been six or seven nil, and Porto mm. didn't give any bit of a threat uh, defensively. What did I say last week? All right, I also said Mourinho could be gone by now, and he's out. Uh, he's going to stay. <laughs> We've all said that. As we well. all we all said that. But Fabregas, he's, he took him out of the team, and we finally looked like we had uh, a, you know eleven players on the pitch. Like Ramirez was terrific, and in, in turn, Matic seemed to have like less pressure on him, and Matic was superb. Mm. Kurt Zuma, I could go on. I could just tell you about all the players how they played well, but. Uh, one fella who who stood out for me was Oscar. I thought Oscar was absolutely terrific. Two fellas, two fellas stood out for me was Oscar. He was absolutely terrific. Uh, the the thing that Oscar has that all the other tackle pitch Chelsea players have, he doesn't have the speed. You know, he kind of he kind of has to work off their speed. You know, and and kind of pa- he's the wall pass. The, the fast fella passes to him, and then they get into space, and he kind of finds the ball through. Uh, but he was terrific. He was linking with everyone. But Diego Costa was absolutely spectacular, holding up the ball like the amount of times we've kicked the ball up to him this season. And uh, if I had a if I had a penny for every time it just bounced off off him or or defender got in the way and you know the, the counter attack and they scored, I'd be a very wealthy man. But the only thing I was worried about, which would have made it a ten out of ten, Costa could have had a hat trick. He he just doesn't seem confident in front of goal. Hazard's the same. He hasn't scored in over two thousand minutes of football. I think Neymar scored twenty something goals since the last it's time like Hazard 20, scored. I think it's more than that. He's like twenty six. <coughs> yeah, like that, you know, yeah. you know, like. But the, the thing is, Hazard's probably been one of our best players this season. He's been he, he like he's just lacking the goals. But that's what I'm saying. That just shows you how bad Chelsea have been playing. You know. Yeah. Uh, William wasn't great, uh, but he scored an absolutely crucial goal that kind of took the, took the, you know, everyone started to smile, you know, and that's what Chelsea players haven't done since they won, they lifted the Premier League. They're all know? about the smiles. It's all about the smile. I said it to him. I was well. watching it with a, with a friend of mine, and I said to him, "Wow, we're actually smiling." And two minutes later, the commentator copped it. There hasn't been a smiling Chelsea player in so long, and hopefully now, I think Leicester's. I keep saying it, it's a big. The next game's a big game. Next game's a big game. But if you kind of knock Leicester off their perch, it's kind of sending a message to the Premier League. You know, mm. it was a much improved performance. And like I think, as you said, the biggest thing that I noticed as well was just just how reinvigorated Costa seemed to be. Yeah. Like his his work rate, and then also the runs that he was making were really really good and improved a huge difference. And yeah. I said that weeks ago as well. Was that I think when they had. When they had because the, they with, with Spurs when they played Spurs they experimented with kind of like Hazard and a the couple of different places a false nine but when they have Costa he really gives them that focal point I mean he's running like he was and he's going after the ball he hopefully like if they he is their biggest difference maker to me this terms of that season because he just gives them that focal point he gives them not only a target up front but someone that can interlink and finish goals yeah. as well so that, Chelsea I think have been getting better and better consistently creating chances we see more of them create more chances than we what we have in weeks gone by so I think if if they can keep creating chances at the rate they do and if Costa can play with the same amount of enthusiasm as he had against Porto I think we could see the the beginnings of a legitimate revival going off Costa the reason why Chelsea have been playing so poor is because the defence has come under such agonising pressure they've been okay lately they have been okay they've gotten a few clean sheets you know but it seems like the more and more cost and hazard come into it, it kind of gives them respite. To mm. you know, it, there's only you can make a defense look bad if you just keep having wave after wave after wave of pressure. People are saying Terry has been finished. When Man City are walking through you because uh, Fabregas and Matic haven't been at the races, you're going to concede a, a, yeah. a bucket full of goals. You know, so yeah. Well, you think I think Jose sorted that out over the last three games mm. because Tottenham didn't really look like they were that eager to win it. It just no. kind of seemed like he wanted to settle the squad, just make sure you keep the exactly, clean sheet yeah. and worry mm. about the rest coming later, and then born but it was a scrappy enough goal it wasn't yeah, but like necessarily on the they were doing more of the false nine stuff as well so it seems like he's starting to get a more of a stable structure they've conceded one in three games yeah. which is okay like it's one and four yeah, no, yeah one and four yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, so it, it, it's you know it was just waiting for the goals to come before you decide that this kind of crisis is over yeah like if, if the two boys can start scoring goals the form's going to pick up that's that's what we're waiting on now we, we, we have the defence sorted out now we have hopefully now the midfield if he doesn't put him back in Monday mm. it's now just up to the two boys up top the, the two goal scorers who carry kind of carry Chelsea at stages last season you know mm-hmm. so Arsenal pulled it out of the bag uh, absolutely terrific Giroud and also Joel Campbell played very very well Joel well. Campbell yeah and sure he, he he would know Olympiacos very well he was at loan there you know mm-hmm. I remember they bet United and he mm. scored he scored a terrific goal but 
like Giroud like when are we going to call him a quality striker you know when, when is it going to be time for us to say he is a quality striker Terry, Terry Henry gave him horrible you know we need to get a new striker mm. he's been doing this for a few seasons now you know yeah. he's been, he was a mockery at the start but well we said it like he seems to like because I've made the analogy when it rains it pours which are yeah. basically when he scores goals he seems to score two or three a game yeah. but then he can go a while without scoring mm-hmm. them and I just think he is a good striker like when you look at him he's good off both feet he can volley he's got a, he's got a strong shot Poacher he's good in the well. air he's, mm-hmm. he knows where to stand he knows you know he understands timing and spatial awareness very well. like he's a good striker yeah. it's just he's, lack, he's had a lack of consistency and then just from a fan's perspective as well it's like the fans just feel a bit uneasy with him on top because yeah. it's just like that reliability factor it's like it's because basically if you look at it like they haven't really since before Giroud and after Henri, there wasn't really anyone that really consistently filled that role. Like they had, they mm-hmm. you know they dealed with Shamak. He was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> Nicholas Bentner, like they, they were so used to Thierry Henri yeah. for so long. Just guaranteed, we've got this you know, freak of nature goal scoring <laughs> machine up front. And it's you know the so I think Arsenal fans struggle with I think trust more than anything yeah. with Giroud. And then you know because then they, then they bring in Walcott to start the season. It's like everyone's you know Walcott destroys in the preseason. Everyone's like. Okay, Walker could legitimately be a striker in yeah. every season, and then you know, typical Theo Walcott, as typical as Walcott does, he goes and gets injured. Yeah, so that's 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 the injuries again. We can, mm. we can keep coming back, but but the thing I th- I think this game is special for Arsenal fans, especially maybe even Wenger, Giroud. Like they, I think he's stapled, uh, you know, into into their hearts for for a long time. Like. He just rescued. He single-handedly... Ozil, though, as well. We have to mention Ozil. He's had a, a remarkable... like I wouldn't say comeback, but a, a remar- he's really hitting his stride now yeah. and is absolutely looking like the, paying off the original investment. Maybe it was something off the ball, off off the pitch that wasn't going his way or something. We don't we mm. don't know what it could have been, but it seems like he's interested. He it seems, well, seems like he's playing a bit more freedom as well because I remember when he was in the last when he first was last season, the season before he first came to Arsenal. The season, season before. Season before. Yeah. He was in the January transfer. No, no, I think he was, he was summer, I think, yeah. Um, but anyway, I think it was last season he was playing a lot down the left wing and he yeah. seemed to be really kind of constricted to playing in real wide parts mm-hmm. of the field. Well, I think now he's playing with a bit more freedom. Where he's you think that's down to Alexi taking up the left? I think, yeah, well, we, we were talking, but yeah, and I think it's allowed him to kind of come into more central and float in with all the centre and the right. Like, he really kind of plays a lot more freedom. They interchange there. too, though, you know. They, they, they do, yeah, he does they have do. a spin on the left and then Cazorla... His assist... It wasn't the assist on the first goal, but he was. He set up the kind of move. Tomon Real yeah, yeah, yeah. It was basically he was running towards the sideline, and then without even kind of looking, he split like literally three defenders. Yeah. And like uh, cut his cut his fullback out on the wing. So he's um he's really coming on as a, as a spectacular player. Probably one of Arsenal's best performers mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And Manchester City, they pulled themselves back. I suppose the talking point from here would be Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. Two goals. Um, looking good. Yeah, he is. He's looking like a lot more. You say he's worth forty nine million quid yet? I don't know, but like, like if you look at United buying Martial, it's it's the investment looks like it's um it's worth it in the long run anyway. Because my biggest grip with Sterling was not only probably how he handled his Liverpool situation, but I didn't think he looked as potent or as polished or as ready to kind of take on the load, the attacking load without Suarez and Sturridge. But he's just relishing in this in this city system. Like he's really kind of coming of age, and and it seems like this is where he's probably going to start blossoming into what could potentially be a world class player. Sterling, Sterling, like when he was at Liverpool, Suarez and Sturridge, you know, he seemed like he kind of relished being the third most important. Like he he saw the boys getting the goals, but he he also pitched in as well, you know, and assists as well. I Kevin De Bruyne has kind of helped him in that in that sense as well, you know, because. Another fella on the, another attacking option, you know. It, it's it's easy to play with great players, you know. It yeah. is. It, it's it's when you can pass the ball and see, just let them make a play, make a move, and then you can play off him. If it, that trio of uh, that, there's it's always three big players, you know. It seems like that's going to be with Manchester City now. It's four, so uh, <laughs> like you have Bale, you have uh, Ronaldo, you have Benzema, you have uh, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. Uh, we could go on and on, but like it seems now, Man City have four dangerous attacking options Silva you yep. know Silva and Aguero and that's really scary do mm. you know if company can get back get fully fit and stay there that is very scary I could see they could get their midfield up, up a bit better as well I think that's been yeah. where they've been slacking as mm. well in midfield they could definitely probably do, they could probably do with another like really high quality centre that's midfield, all, I think that's all they're, 
they're missing, to yeah. be honest. I think out of many will come good at some stage, you know. Yeah. It's hard and to Paolo kind of drop you. Having a very good season exactly, as well. you know, it, it, they're missing one centre midfielder. And with Yaya Torre getting on in, in years, he's 31 or 32 now, you know. Yeah, and I think with Sterling as well, is from the goals, it's his finishing has come on. Like, maybe, just, yeah. like, it was just, it's like the second goal, for instance, Boney got the ball, then laid it off from. And he was kind of running, he was at the sprint just to get there in time. Mm-hmm. And then, like, on his. He kind of like on his side, he against the kind of natural way of his body, he kind of hit it back towards the 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 bottom right with his right foot, and it was just a chance. It was a typical chance that he would have missed yeah. for Liverpool. Oh, and of it's course, just like the goals that he's actually scoring. It's now, his, so it's his only demon, you know, because yeah. every bit of it it makes him a quality player, like starting England player. Mm. Uh, we, we, like there were mentioned, Real Madrid were linked with him when he was at Liverpool well, yeah, at his young age yeah. as well. He they were calling him uh, the, the, a little Messi, that you know, like they were the next Messi when he was under sixteen. Playing Playing youth football for <coughs> Liverpool, I remember a few of my Liverpool friends going on about him, and he he played actually in Warfield United. I went down and see him; he was terrific, you know. <laughs> um, but he, he like, well, there's no mistaking he has talent. It's just the one thing that he's missing is his goals, and now it seems like if he can get that demon off his back, he yeah, can become he that quality been, Premier League player. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the Premier League, we're gonna jump straight to the back end of the fixtures and start with the biggest game, which seems to be the Monday night game. It's title contenders <laughs> Leicester versus <Joe>. relegation <laughs> battlers Chelsea yeah it's Rain. it's a tough one are you are you scared I am a little bit I am uh, obviously Wednesday gives me a lot more confidence than I would have going in I think now Leicester mightn't be actually the favourites like I said the last podcast I know they're 25 oh. to 1 yeah, to win it, the league it, 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 oh yeah they are um, Ranieri says he's not even thinking about where they're finishing until they reach the 40 point mark so uh, maybe he's there in the relegation battle according to Ranieri <laughs> yeah. but uh, no I, 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 I genuinely think he, he also says Chelsea can get top 4 I don't think so but uh, they have to start now they have Every game that come, that moves is another chance of getting back because there's got to be teams that are dropping points, and uh, it's it's gonna ease the pressure off Mourinho if if there's a win. It seems like the players finally realise, okay, we're actually in a bit of a poor situation. Let's let's start playing a bit of football, like you know. Do you feel like we're waiting just week by week for this Leicester yeah. juggernaut just to stop? Yeah, and for that's why I don't have way. any it's, of their players in my fantasy team. It's kind of you know it's it's the 11th of December here now, You're lads. Uh, when time. are you gonna just? Go back in your box yeah, and the, be where you're supposed oh, to be. <laughs> without a doubt, like uh, now that we were talking again, there are twelve next twelve games. Eight of them are really, 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 really good Premier League sides. You know, but it hasn't phased Mares or Vardy. No. I mean, Mares has easily been the best play, player in the league this season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with a hat trick last week, he's been an absolute revelation for them, and, and along with Vardy, a huge part of what they do going forward. But they're a solid, solid team. Like from the back up, they're like from Schmeichel and yeah. Drinkwater at the back to, you know, right up until like Mares and Vardy up front. They they're solid all over. So it's but I do I do agree. I think we all have this sense of like, every time the Premier League comes around, it's like oh, are Leicester going to do it again this weekend? You know, like are they going to continually kind of mm. like how long are they going to really realistically last at the top of the table yeah, we're not hoping they're doing bad but but like you know we're getting very close to Christmas time and <laughs> who would have thought Leicester City who were like barely oh I, I hope they do very well so do I I'd love to see him get I Champions League football I think at this stage I think we have to realistically think that Europa League football is not beyond oh whatever oh. like for them at all because look at the teams like pa- Palace seem they're, like, they're not they're, gro- they're a good side but they're not great Everton seem to be dropping s- silly points away uh, everywhere Liverpool we're not sure if they're there thereabouts yet after uh, their performance against Newcastle you know so like Europa League is definitely that's if why I was I, a Leicester fan I'd probably be disappointed with the Europa League at this stage would you Would you? oh I see, think they can do top four but like do you not see the run of games that they have I'm not trying yeah. to be a doubter I'm not oh, trying well, to they, have, they have Chelsea Monday night then they've got Everton away Liverpool away then City at home and then Bournemouth at home yeah, and, and and even after that, it, it doesn't get much better. And then they have a trip to White Hart Lane in the FA Cup. I, th- I think they well, they have a trip to White Hart Lane in, the, well. in the league as well. It, yeah, I think they're going to sacrifice the FA Cup. Villa, Stoke, honest, and then back around to Liverpool to keep this merit to keep this yeah, going. But then you've also got like this. There's 15 games gone, and you have 23 to go. So it's a long time for them. And like you know, they're they're two points on top. Yeah, and there's only like what there's three points separating the top four. Like they're literally. Was it now six points off from fifth place? Uh, from yeah. looking looking at their fixtures now, they play Arsenal on the thirteenth of February, and I think it depends where they stand on that date. Well, g- giving them a bit of credit, yeah. you know, you know that would be their last kind of big 
big test. Like if they come through, if if they come through and then go to the Emirates on the thirteenth of February well, and are still in contention yeah. in a Champions League place, I'd be pretty confident they'll hold on to us. Oh yeah, they they have the manager as well. You know, he's a the one that lost to the Faroe Islands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, he like you, you've seen well, the teams. He's been France, Italy, Spain, he's had success England as well. You know, he's he brought Chelsea. When they weren't the top four side, he brought them to the top four side, kind of mm-hmm. setting up for Mourinho. A lot of people actually said it was Ranieri who won them leagues. Like that, that well, a lot he of Chelsea, did the groundwork, didn't he? yeah, he did the groundwork. He kind of you know bulldozed Chelsea up the table and put them as a force. And, and even before they got their millions, he did very exactly. Well yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, but uh, but t- I'm just going back by their last result against Swansea. You know, if United or even Chelsea went to Swansea Swansea have been struggling you wouldn't expect them to blow them out of the water 3-0 even though Swansea have, oh. been, have been very poor Swansea like, beat United didn't yeah, they exa- yeah exactly yeah exactly you yeah, know I'm it back. seems like they're doing their business when, when people are were waiting for them to, to kind of go off the boil so uh, fair play to them and I, keep, I hope they keep going so on the Saturday night the half five kickoff, Bournemouth at home to Man United can they continue this of course they can yeah the like as much as uh, their goal was, you know, debatable and, and it was kind of controversial in, in a sense, but we're not sure if it was or wasn't. Tie it depends, goes, who, tie it goes depends to the, who touched it. Exactly. Tie goes to the striker, though. I think, you know, fair, fair, I think Chelsea should have just, you know, they should have scored two or three before that, you know. But they played scintillating football. Watching think, Bournemouth this season reminds me of watching Leicester last season, where they just played brilliant football, yeah. but they just don't seem to get, get the slice the of luck. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But that's that's kind of what happens with the teams that come up. But we've seen Blackpool in the past. You know, they they've been playing. They lose three two. You know, time mm. one to two one or Even Burnley 3-2. at times tried to play quietly. Exactly, yeah. They always seem to get Yeah, uh, but I think there's something different about about if they get uh, is Callum Wilson going to be back by the end of the season? I think he will. So if yeah. that he could be a very vital piece of their of their you know sta- stabilizing their place in the Premier League next season if he if they can get him before March even you know mm. uh, I think I think it could be easily a draw it depends how Manchester United set out are they going to a new lease of life going attacking and, and kind of you know having a new threat. lease of life yeah exactly yeah, well, a new lease of attacking life I should should have said I apologise yeah well going to Dean's court I think you'd, you'd think that they would go out with you know believing they're going to win and go out with it with a you know a superior mentality yeah superior yes. mentality and, and some attack mind focus kind of thing to go win the game but it's it's a game that I think is just destined but for a nil all one all draw you're, I, I honestly do you're playing West Ham at home at home at Old Trafford and they don't have that same, same attacking no. intensity you just don't yeah. know it Manchester United uh, they're, they're, they're the mm. favourites to win this game and you know they're, they're, they're going to have more possession mm-hmm. they're arguably going to create more chances but I don't think they're going to finish those chances exactly, I, think, yeah. I, think it, I think this game very much like the West Ham like we said last week I think it's going to be destined for a nil all one all draw yeah. what is interesting just some breaking news that will break on the United front Former United player Ryan Giggs now has been heavily linked with the Swansea City. Yeah, job. I saw that. Yeah, I actually that that's that could be interesting. Welsh probably Wales's biggest international player before Gareth yeah. Bale anyway. Oh yeah, jeez, um, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I didn't click. Yeah, there as well. So yeah, um, it would be interesting while we never Neville getting his job, getting his break out of Valencia if if Giggs gets his. Gets no, his break it, in the Premier League just a couple of weeks later. What would be very interesting is if he managed to get uh, get the job sewn down for three o'clock tomorrow and make his debut against City in the City of Manchester <laughs> Stadium. Nah, I don't uh, think it'll be that quick. No, I don't think so. There's a few. There's be a too few. Romantic. There's yeah. a few kind of people up for that job though as well. You know, there's D- David Moyes as well has been linked to it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I suppose Brendan Rodgers is Brendan Rodgers, exactly. Yeah, he's second favorite. Yeah, Swansea it's interesting. Like, like Ryan Giggs has a bit of you know, not I, head coach, but in assistant coach. He's been around the United setup for a while. He did manage United for a handful of games as well at the at the end of uh, at the end of Moyes. Yes, yeah, after Moyes, he, he got him towards the end of the season. Yeah, sure. so like. It just depends. Like, do you trust a fellow who hasn't really gotten the finances of a, of a team right or the major decisions yet of of a club? You know, so it's an interesting one. I, I don't know if if they will give it to him. I, I I wouldn't give it to an unproven manager just because he's a class of ninety two boy. You know, yeah. didn't stop Valencia, huh? It didn't <laughs> stop Valencia. Well, there was. I don't think Swansea's owner is as as tied in with the. Netflix you'd imagine team. Valencia be a lot more ambitious a club than Swansea City. Yeah, yeah, you'd imagine. You would imagine, but I think you know it's uh, Swansea are arguably be in a bigger pressure cooker at the moment than Valencia. Just given their position in the Premier League, it's really your job. You have to come in. Yeah, like that's why that's why Sunderland suits Allardyce. Allardyce knows the Premier League <laughs> inside out, and he knows knows how to like you know basically ensure a side's survival um, Limerick City legend yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so jumping back to Sunday we've got Aston Villa at home to Arsenal 
Uh, I, 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 I actually did my bits already and I've backed Arsenal. So oh, that, yeah. Yeah. I think Arsenal train now. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Aston Villa, they did put up a good performance against Southampton. They could have actually won the game, but Southampton haven't, have been at sixes and sevens lately as well. Mm. Uh, but uh, It no, was I, a good result. It was a great they result. They would have taken us. Oh, of course. Yeah, if you said to them before the game won all, oh, they would have bit your hand off, you know. And what about Liverpool at home to West Brom? Uh, I'd have to go Liverpool just because I'm not really 100 percent sure of West Brom's form this season. Like I'm not, I, I, they seem like they get a kind of few results, you know, Arsenal. Uh, then they, I think they get they drew with Everton as well. Uh, uh, but then they seem to kind of drop points against other teams that you think they get. You know, it's uh, time and time again the, the, these teams that are 14, 15, wherever mm. the, you know, bottom half the table, you just don't know. And then you got Coutinho set to return as well. Yeah, exactly. Liverpool, which and is another huge and a bit of a yeah. backlash after the Newcastle match. I, I'm going to go. I'd say Liverpool two 0 Yeah, and then also four o'clock on Sunday is Spurs at home to Newcastle. Oh, okay. Well, what do you think, Gav? What do you think? Uh, the general consensus at the moment seems to be Newcastle will only play well when their games are televised, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It is, yeah, yeah. It is. it actually is. You, you could have easily bet Chelsea uh, a few months ago on on the box, but uh, but yeah, looking at the stats against Liverpool last week, we're fully Newcastle were fully deserving of their victory. Mm. I know, like, um, oh, they I, were, yeah, very oh. well taken goals. I mean, well, Klopp. Klopp the week before said, you know, no stat matters except the one stat I want to see is how far my players ran yeah. and Newcastle players outran the Liverpool exactly, one. So, yeah. you know, we'll take it anyway. And but, in terms of just kind of clear-cut chances, Newcastle had more despite not having as much possession. Yeah. Or, you have to look at Tottenham though, like they just trashed uh, a strong enough Monaco mm. side uh, 4-1 yeah. Yeah, last night. I know that's we're, Europa we're League. The team, though, as well. But they seem to have a bit of an issue of coming off a Europa League night. It's and been going on for like, years. Like, you know how yeah. we said they were they were settled for the nil-all against Chelsea a few weeks back? They were just after 6,000 round-trip journey to... I, I don't even know who they were playing to be. I can't mm. even pronounce but their names. But in fairness to Pochettino, he did rest a lot of players he did, last yeah. night. Yeah, It was only really Son and Lamella and I think Alderweireld maybe. Yeah. I think a lot Lamella of other players were a lot younger. Yeah, yeah so it, it's interesting that they... Like, the, the one thing that uh, Spurs have been kind of like if, if Harry Kane gets injured that there or it doesn't play well or whatever it doesn't seem like th- don't really know who's their second option up front there to be honest yeah. um, and I or no uh, I can't even pronounce his name either but yeah it, it it's a young young fly again mm. But uh, I think Spurs have been playing such good football. I'd, I'd expect they maybe have, two yeah. one, two one. I'd say. Yeah, I'd say. you see, the one problem with Newcastle is we still don't really have an out and out goal scorer. Cisse is not consistent. As brilliant as Wijnaldum was last week and in, in a few other games, he is. He's only a midfielder. He's yeah. not going to score every single game. And, and then the psychopath you know, doesn't really psychopath score Mitrovic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scored a brilliant it was a brilliant volley against Norwich I'll yeah. give him that but he hasn't quite settled in yet like the fans love him I love him he's so passionate about the game like he's you know he's there celebrating in the corner when we win a corner kind of thing and, <laughs> yeah. and just waiting for a few more to go in and he could easily become you know a, a legend up, up in the northeast but One it's that's just has been lacking not in quite years. happening for him yes but yeah. I'd definitely I'd love to see see him get more starts and just Newcastle also just as much as the fact that I suppose Tottenham coming off a quick turnaround even though they rest a lot of players Newcastle one win from seven away games this year in the league mm. Five losses in there as well. And so that one win is way to Bournemouth, which was we were dominated in that. We were very, very yeah, lucky to get out a, of that. Rob, one. There was a Rob Elliott masterclass. Yeah, it was. Saved just there. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd, are you say it's definitely the odds aren't in Newcastle's favour, but I suppose the recent performance against Liverpool probably gives a lot of fans more optimism Again. than probably what they might have. Well, we'll just see which game goes on Sky Sports before I decide <laughs> if we're <laughs> there or not now. But uh, I'll do a quick run through the rest of the weekend's games. You've got Norwich at home to Everton at 12.45 on Saturday. Uh, Everton, yeah. Yeah, Everton, Everton. away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Palace at home to Southampton. Ooh. Um, Palace, just because I think they came through a, 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 a difficult game with Everton there uh, away. A one-all, they, they they grabbed a point off them, and now Southampton aren't really. They're kind of stuttery. I wouldn't say yeah. they. I wouldn't say their form is lacking, but it's not as good I as what was last we've year. Seen but them, they were over. They overachieved better, last year. Yeah, it's been indifferent. Their form has definitely been indifferent. I go Palace one 0 I'll probably go the same yeah at home I think I need to see I think this is a big game for Southampton but last he seems to be track. playing very well and and, and uh, Kabaye as well yeah. uh, Sunderland at home to Watford I draw yeah I'd probably go draw one all draw 
I think Watford have this one. Yeah, I back to one old show. I uh, think Watford as well. Think Watford have been pretty been pretty decent away. They have, yeah. yeah. Uh, Snatch and grab, kind of. You know when um, when Higalu kind of gets that that one chance, he takes it. He's, he's prolific. Yeah, exactly, he is very yeah. prolific, very you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, think Sonnen and Troy Deeney's scored now in his last two games, is it? Yeah, yeah, he has. I really rate Troy Deeney. I think he's a spectacular player. But I think I think Sunderland are kind of getting a bit like you know. They seem to just be picking up a tiny be bit. Sunderland, they're not going to do anything. There. Anything spectacular, but they're probably. Gonna, they, I think they. I think they could escape the drop. Well, I think Watford will because obviously, like on the back of a gal who's form, I think that he's, he's that one proven finisher. I think out of both sides, even though yeah. someone has the foe, I think he's a gal who's in great form coming in. So I think he could be a huge difference for them. But then also, they're going to the stadium a lot, and they also got to consider the fact that they got a host at Liverpool. The next weekend, then they got like through the Christmas period, mm. then they got Chelsea, then they got Tottenham, then they got City. I suppose so they can it, only take a one game of a time. They can, but this will be a game that, given the games that are coming up over Christmas, you need period, a win here. You, just, you need a win yeah. just because because you might not get as many as you. And it's very them. possible the Stadium of Light isn't exactly a cauldron a of fortress. intimidation. It's usually <laughs> half empty every yeah. week. No, no, but <laughs> for good reason too. No, yeah, but they, they were like Arsenal. Struggled to you know beat beat Sunderland. They, they, they were, there was a lot of relief when that they third be, goal went in. A, a lot of relief. Type of they can be a Bowie side yeah. for a lot of different teams. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna give them a one-all draw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give them a draw. What a brilliant <laughs> result it will be for Sunderland to yeah. get a one-all draw at home to Watford. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they're selling. To the All right, uh, West Ham at home to Stoke. Oh, that's gonna be a cracker. I think that's going to be an absolutely terrific game. Just the style of football that West Ham play at home. The Stoke of now and the Stoke of five years ago. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah, from, from, oh, Miles, from Rory uh, Delap yeah. to Shakiri, you know. Yeah, like and that's Affleye and, you know, Anadovic, like there. But yeah. they were still nearly as. I know Rory they're a little DeLapp bit better. Peter Crouch. Like that was the, that was the winning yeah, combination there yeah. a couple of years ago. Oh, uh, just. F- Long ball. I, th- I don't know which one I prefer. I really enjoyed <laughs> oh, how no. I really enjoyed how keepers kicked it out for corners instead of uh, yeah. instead of kicking it out for throw-ins. <laughs> so moving on to rugby, we've got Champions Cup this weekend, and we've got London-based sports journalist Julian Bennett's on the line. Um, Julian contributes to the Irish Examiner and the Telegraph quite regularly, and he specialises in English rugby. Just looking to the Champions Cup this weekend, Leicester and Munster looks like a huge game down at Tolman Park. How do you do? You see the Tigers making a tree from tree in uh, Pool Five? Uh, yeah, I, I do. To be honest, um, it's different Leicester this season. They've had a couple of pretty difficult years. I mean, I spent the day at their training ground on Tuesday. Mm. I was speaking to various people, and it's just a very positive place. Uh, they sort of emerged from a couple of difficult years. Aaron Major, the former All Blacks, coming as coach, and has, has really made a massive difference. And no, their week started when they announced that four guys have got new contracts, including including Manny Tuolangi and Ben Youngs, who were wanted by pretty much everyone in England for a start and also overseas. And they just seem really, really positive. I think they've won seven out of eight games this season. Munster's difficulties are pretty well documented. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Leicester repeated the heroics of, uh, of 2007 and, and won at home and again. Yeah, quite a difficult place to play, but I think it is. I think uh, Leicester have five from six in the Aviva Premiership, and I think they're two from two in Europe, so looking very positive for them. Um, I can imagine the, the big talking point around Leicester this weekend at training would have been Tuolagi's contract. How do you see he hasn't played in, in quite some time? Do you think it was uh, realistic that he was ever going to move, and was there any big competition from elsewhere in, in, return, in regards to signing him? Uh, yeah, it was massive competition from elsewhere. Um I mean, I think Richard Cockrell called it obscene, some of the offers he was getting from elsewhere. And you've got, uh, I mean, when Bristol, who aren't even a premiership side, are, are offering huge money, Worcester, not even your traditional sort of, uh, not traditional, but you're not you're necessarily your big hitters. That shows what mm-hmm. they're, they're dealing with. Um, it is a gamble. Uh, Cockrell said on Tuesday it's a gamble he thought was worth taking. I mean, he's not played for 14 months. And this this groin problem is is not a good one, but he is getting closer I mean he's back in January uh, is the latest plan although there have been other comebacks that had to be aborted um, but it's a gamble it's sort of more now with Leicester I guess it's more what Tuolangi represents in terms of if he goes to a direct rival then what do the other England guys at the club say what does Ben Young say does Ben mm-hmm. Young go well maybe Bath is a better offer maybe I should go there so it became a point where they just had to 
almost had to keep him at all costs, and all costs ended up being about £1.3 million pounds, uh, over the course of his contract, which is which is huge money, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, rugby is taking a leap forward financially, and English clubs have got the, the salary cap increased from next season, and everyone is already spending that. Uh, Bath have uh, made a pretty big uh, big dent with uh, Falisau, so yeah, that money is uh, going to the players and players' agents at the moment, I guess. Julian, are you familiar at all with the Bristol situation? Because on this end, I think Ian Madigan has been heavily rumoured to be um, also floating, um, going over there. And considering they are in the championship, are they? Are you familiar with the Bristol situation at all? To an extent, I mean they've got a lot of money. Um, I mean the way that this is going to impact over the next couple of weeks, from it's more from an English point of view. But Steve Borthwick is is now their their man, having left Japan, and he is also the man that Eddie Jones. Uh, wants to be part of his new England setup. And normally, in that situation, you offer compensation, and compensation is agreed uh, to everyone's benefit, and uh, the coach moves to become part of the national setup. But Bristol are not a normal situation because they just don't need the money. I mean, they're getting quite a star studded side together. Um, it's, it's a bit crazy, they're not in the Premiership already, really, but it is a matter of time. They are very ambitious, very well backed. And they can do things because of that. I mean, it's a, a fairly simple uh, scenario in that case. So, yeah, they will be big players in the same way that, I guess, the, I mean, you don't have to think too hard to think of a few clubs with uh, wealthy backers, especially in the West uh, the west Country of England, uh, who've made a big impact because of that. So, yeah, they are seen as a, a coming force for sure. Julian, another big game this weekend is Leinster versus Toulon. Uh, with such a loaded pool and both teams losing heavily to Wasps, do you give Leinster any chance of causing an upset or are we just getting a bit ahead of ourselves in the studio here? Well, they can cause an upset, I guess. I mean, it depends on how big an upset it would be. See, look, I, I, Wasps have just completely thrown that pool into chaos, really, haven't they? I mean, no one... Everyone knew that Wasps were a good side. I don't think anyone realised they quite that good. Uh, and it also the fact that they proved very quickly it wasn't uh, a one-off. But I guess they showed how you... How you rough up Toulon, really? They just uh, they took the game to them. They their stars were made to look pretty ordinary. I mean, Stefan Armitage, of course, who's very big deal over in England, was uh, completely outclassed by George Smith. Um, if Leinster follow that game plan, then there's no reason why not. But I don't know, Leinster none from two. It's it's a big ask to come back and qualify from that, isn't it? Really. So uh, yeah, they definitely can cause an upset. Whether it would be enough to get out of the pool, I think is uh, another matter altogether. Speaking of wasps, do you think they can continue their European form? Yeah, absolutely. Um, wasps are a bit of a breath of fresh air at the moment in terms of uh, English rugby. I'm obviously backed by a very wealthy Irishman, Derek Richardson, who is the driving force behind what they've done. But the move to Coventry has completely invigorated what was a relic I guess in terms of Wasps were just a shadow of their former selves um, they are exciting to watch uh, I mean in Wade Piatow and, and Halai they've got one of the best batteries around although Wade's, Wade's picked up an injury recently and Joe Simpson they've got certainly the best scrum half on form in England uh, and they're just looking really good uh, and it is it's exciting to see I mean when you see them destroy Leinster at the RDS and think well maybe that was a one off they go and possibly even better that by doing it to, to Toulon although Exeter did a bit of a number on them last weekend to maybe keep them in check a little bit but um, yeah I see no reason why not because Bath have not been in great form so a Wasp win this weekend would not be a surprise if they followed that up with another win over Bath then I think they'd be pretty much there wouldn't they so yeah Wasps could, Wasp could be genuine contenders to do something quite special this year yeah we weren't too fond of them in the RDS here at all now, no I'm sure, uh, I'm sure <laughs> with Exeter hosting Claremont do you think people are finally starting to take notice of the Chiefs especially with the likes of Slade Noel and Parling uh, yeah you have to um, they are a very very well run club um, the loss of Henry Slade is huge so he's um, he's out for about four months now uh, after surgery because uh, he got injured in the in the win over Wasps last week it was a, yeah, an injury that was so bad that BT decided not to show replays of, uh, mm. of his leg um, that is possibly he's possibly the one person that Eddie Jones didn't want to lose uh, in terms of England and he is a, a massive loss because he's a brilliant player but yeah I mean Rob Baxter is fantastic and it's looking more and more likely that he will be an England head coach of the future. Um, bringing in people like Parling uh, for that experience is just a very, very shrewd move. And they are a club that is going from, from strength to strength. There's no reason why it can't keep happening. They could win the Premiership, which would be 
an astonishing achievement. I don't think they they go that far in Europe, but yeah, they're an excellent side, and they're becoming more influential in terms of international setup as well from coaches and players too. And Julian, given um, the national team's disaster in the World Cup this year, do you think it's time for a shake-up for England going forward and that the likes of Slade, Joe Simpson, Brendan O'Connor and Elliot Daly will start to get a regular run-in? Possibly. Um, it was uh, yeah, The World Cup was pretty chastening, really. I don't think anyone saw it going quite that badly. Um, but then Stuart Lancaster made some... Well, some very poor selection decisions and paid for that with his job in the end. Um, Eddie Jones promises to be a bit of fun. He's a bit of a quotes machine, uh, so the press are, are warming to him already. Um, he's trying to sort out his backroom staff at the moment, and then he can only change 11 players for the Six Nations due to the slightly complex agreement with the, um, with the English clubs. Um, uh, Sam Burgess, it's meant to be 10, but Sam Burgess is uh, yeah much talked about departure makes that uh, 11. Uh, he he will, I think, trust a lot of the youngsters. There's an idea that the likes of Brad Barrett's days are done and it is time to trust an Elliot Daly or a Henry Slade, although Slade is now injured. Um, there is a very, very good crop of young English talent there. It's a, a pretty serious pool of players. I guess Anthony Watson is is one that's come through and, and shone at the World Cup. He's probably England's best player at the World Cup, but there's a lot more where that came from. Their record in sort of under-20s World Cup is... It's very serious, and there was always an idea that maybe 2019 was the tournament in which they'd shine rather than 2015, although yeah, going out in the pool stage uh, of your home World Cup is it's not quite good enough. So he will, I think, trust youth because he has to. Uh, it's time for a bit of a change, a bit of a shake-up, and the talent is there, so there's no reason not to. And He's also in, I guess in a way, an enviable position because the World Cup went so badly, he will get quite a lot of grace to do what he wants and to try a few things. Uh, as long as it's ready in, in a couple of years' time or three years' time, maybe. And good luck to him. He seems like he could be the man to do it, but then people sort of thought the same about Lancaster until that went very much uh, belly up during the tournament. Um, Elliot, could you just quickly... Uh, sorry, not Elliot. Uh, Julian, could you quickly just explain to us what regards to that it was 11 players choosing? Because that was, I think, from this end, that was the confusion that we had with Jones' appointment, was he didn't exactly have full autonomy over his own squad. Well, there's... um. The English clubs and the RFU have uh, been at loggerheads or were at loggerheads for a long, long time over player release. It was pretty much a, a soap opera every time in terms of, of how it worked. Now there is a deal where there is financial compensation for each player who is uh, produced by the clubs to play for England. And there's also the added incentive uh, of not picking players from outside of England, as in, if you're say if you're Leicester, you produce or... an England player, we will pay you for that player, and we'll also say we won't pick him if they then go to to Toulon, for example, to pick mm -hmm. up a, a load of cash. But it needs to be structured to an extent, and that structure is there is an EPS squad, an elite player squad, and there are certain amounts of changes you can make to it a whole time. So you can't make 25 changes in a squad if you're a new coach coming in. The only thing being that. Eddie Jones probably wouldn't want to make that many changes. I mean, in terms of the squad, there were a few contentious decisions Lancaster made, but by and large, everyone would have picked probably, I don't know, 26, 27 of the same players without too much argument. So it's more tweaking, I think, than anything else. But there is there is the young talent that he will try and bring through, and there are obviously other issues in there in terms of players who may have had their uh, time and it's time to, uh, to leave the stage. But it is all to do with the complex agreement between the RFU and the Premiership, which the relationship between them at the moment seems as, as good as it's been in some time, and everyone wants to keep it that way, basically. Well, one of the players I think that a lot of people were looking that were hopefully should have been probably picked was Dylan Hartley during the World Cup. Um, now, Jones has made it clear that he's willing to give a clean slate to all players. After Lancaster's zero tolerance towards, I suppose, off-field behaviour and, I suppose, lack of on-field discipline, do you think guys like Tuolagi, Dylan Hartley, Danny Cipriani, they can work their way back into the English setup? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I've got a sneaking hunch and no more than that at the moment because they're not they haven't made a decision that Dylan Hartley could end up England captain at some point uh, oh, okay. in the relatively near future because if Rob Shaw isn't going to be captain anymore there aren't any outstanding candidates there's not one person you'd look at and say it needs to be this person and it needs to be someone who's guaranteed a place in the team and Dylan Hartley is guaranteed a place in the team when fit and available um, Lancaster's policy was very understandable um, 
certainly when it comes to off-field issues and the two Alangi one, I mean, assaulting police officers is, uh, is is pretty serious, to say the least. And Hartley's has always been on-field discipline. Um, whether he can keep that under in check, he hasn't obviously been able to do that consistently over a large period of time. But there was no question that he could have done with him in the World Cup. Because with Tom Youngs, who's excellent around the field, they were underpowered in the scrum and the scrum went backwards pretty quickly well that's not just just yeah. his fault but yeah they definitely can I mean Jones as, as I said before with he's got that that clean slate he can do what he wants he can set the rules as he wants them to be and if he wants Dylan Hartley in if he wants Annie Cipriani in then he can do it and I think Cipriani I'd have potentially had him in before but he he potentially could provide the magic Hartley is a very experienced hooker who maybe being captain of England could be the making of him. It was at Northampton for a, a period of time, uh, although to get sent off in a premiership final, of course. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't see any reason why they can't come back and make a big contribution. Finally, Julian, just before we let you go, you mentioned Rob Shaw there and possibly losing his captaincy and, and potentially if you if, if Hartley succeeds him. Do you entertain this idea at all that Rob Shaw could potentially switch to blindside and probably relinquish the open side slot to someone like a Brendan O'Connor at Leicester? Uh, yes, definitely. He's been playing recently for Quinns. He's been playing. Uh, he's not been playing at seven. He's been playing uh, on the other side six. And it, he had a very difficult job, uh, I think, over the last few years. He's uh, fundamentally a, a very good, very solid bloke um, who was trying to cement his place in one of the most difficult positions on the team while trying to cement his authority as captain deal with the media, the increase, uh, increase in scrutiny, the, I mean, paparazzi when he's on the beach with his, his girlfriend, for example, stuff like that, which I guess just adds up over time. Going forward, maybe taking the captaincy off him would allow him to maybe cement a position in the side with slightly less scrutiny on him, and I think he'd welcome that. You only have to speak to people at Quinn's, people who are very influential, such as Conor O'Shea, obviously, who mm. cannot speak highly enough of him. They are squarely behind Rob Shaw every step of the way and he, he could be good enough to be uh, England's number six I think continuing as number seven or continuing as captain is, is very difficult uh, considering what's gone before but yeah I mean in terms of Brendan O'Connor well he's been in the country for about five minutes but has been uh, very good indeed uh, so far but there are quite a few candidates who could get to that point but it's sort of the same as the captaincy there's not it's not like there's one obvious person mm. that Lancaster or now Jones is going to overlook it's it's trying to find the best uh, best piece to fit the jigsaw rather than one person who's basically there going I have to play every week I have to be in the team so um, we'll see what he does he's uh, he's settling in Jones is doing the rounds of all the all the teams and uh, yeah we'll see what he uh, he comes back with Julian, thanks very much for joining joining us. We really appreciate your time. You can follow Julian Bennett's on Twitter at Julian underscore Bennett's. Is that correct? That is correct, yep. Thanks very much, Julian. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Let's go to the back pages. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have for us today, Gareth? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Garrett Bale, Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar in the hope of landing a world-class superstar. What club am I talking about? Who wants to sign these three lads? Was it Benchwarmers? Who who said this one? Oh, um, the Sun. Oh, of course, yeah, sorry. Of course it's the Sun. (laughs) It could have been any of them, though, to be honest. Basically, in a nutshell, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, Margaret Thatcher famously famously said, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) United have already made a bid for Neymar, as Sun Sport revealed exclusively that a staggering £240 million package was on the table. For him? that was... For him, no, but for Edward. For, for I guess in the transfer. Yeah. For, for just him or the three of them. Two hundred and four. No, for Neymar. Just for Neymar. Yeah, That's but Ed Woodward is working on a swoop for former Red Devils star Cristiano Ronaldo and Welshman Gareth Bale. Ah, oh, he means like Robin is this Hood. Is a football manager or is this? Is <laughs> oh God, only knows. Like Why do you even start with this? Why do we? Why does this even get the airtime? It's like in year twenty twenty three with like People. walking or something, <laughs> bringing him up, and you, you're in the Champions League with walking, and you have all these yeah. these old. They publish these articles because podcasts like us try to basically use them. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it them, is. We keep them in circulation. But as as we've noticed during this segment, as the sun does, they managed to draw another story a out of their one. original bullshit story. <laughs> So obviously, you know, if Manchester United are going to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale and Neymar, which I fully believe they are, Wayne Rooney's going to have to go somewhere. Oh, yeah, where's he going to go? Where's Wayne Rooney going to go? Salisbury, <laughs> Salisbury, Salisbury City. I'll, te- I'll tell you where Wayne Rooney's going to go. 
He's going to be offered a staggering £75 million to link up with former boss Sven Goran Eriksson in the Chinese Super League. <laughs> Doesn't it all make sense now? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Sun has solved another jigsaw yet again. Yeah, he's going to be going to play in Shanghai. <laughs> Doubt it. He won't be playing Shanghai until he's like 37. Somebody better ring the sun and tell them. Jogba went over, you know, Shanghai Shenua and Nicholas and Elka was there. Maybe maybe he got a few tips off, did he? Maybe, yeah. I hear they're great pals, alright. Nicholas and Elka was everywhere though. Where didn't Nicholas and Elka not play? Ireland, that's the only one I could think of. I'm not even sure if Wikipedia knows all of that. They're probably missing a few names here and there. So um, another another fun fact from the Sun this week: Raheem Sterling is better facts. than. Oh, they they specifically <laughs> use the word fact. Raheem Sterling is better than Cristiano Ronaldo, and that's a fact. That's a direct quote. Direct quote. The Manchester City winger celebrated his 21st birthday in style with a brace in the 4-2 Champions League win over Borussia Mönchengladbach. Did they get subpoenaed over that? Do you have a better birthday? Is that what they're talking? Maybe. Yeah. No. <laughs> Maybe City finally caught on and started giving their players birthday cakes, who knows? <laughs> After the yeah, yeah, catastrophe, I think everyone gets like an automatic birthday cake. Everyone oh, yeah. gets a card. I think every club gives yeah, yeah, birthday cake now. <laughs> yeah. Come to us. Uh, and Sterling's goal scoring record is superior than Real Madrid superstar at the same age. Yeah, after one game, maybe. Ronaldo. Know, Ronaldo not scoring the last game or something. Ronaldo, then of Manchester United, had netted 25 goals in 145 club appearances, a strike rate of 0.17 goals per game when he turned 21. But the England ace, he's English. He's, he's very, English. very English. He's, he's very ours. <laughs> It couldn't be more English. Yeah. Who cost City? Actually, he's Jamaican. But. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be more Jamaican. <laughs> Who cost City forty-nine million pounds last summer? Has a better record, having bagged thirty-one in one hundred and fifty outings. That's so he's zero point. Six more goals by the age of twenty. That's a goal every five games. Right. <laughs> it might we're, be a fact, we're, we're, but we're it's talking not. about Real Madrid's all-time leading score and the Champions League's all-time leading score. So you're saying every player who's twenty-one who has a goal every five games is naturally going to go on to uh, <laughs> yeah. be a Real Madrid Lukaku superstar? Lukaku probably has a better record. He's only twenty-three, but at twenty-one, I'd say well, Lukaku know, has a better record. Let's Wikipedia uh, Lukaku right now, <laughs> and let's Lukaku. just get a vague idea. He's twenty-three idea. now. You have to take away. Yeah, but like, that's the same. It's like Lukaku's gonna be a good striker, but at like West Brom though, he had a, he had a, he was the first striker since Michael Owen uh, uh, as a teenager to get over 15 goals in a season. He scored 17 goals yeah. in 35 games. West Brom. Exactly. You know what I mean? At 19, more than a goal every two games. Like, that's better than the two of them. Uh, maybe maybe uh, he, he should be signed by uh, he should be Benzema's replacement if Benzema's <laughs> off, off to the maybe. penitentiary. Mm. Correctional For facility. Rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, like maybe we can finally get a sequel to Mean Machine. Oh, yeah. We've <laughs> <laughs> been waiting years for that one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a remake of everything these oh, days. Vinnie Jones will be getting me contact with us. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you will. Vinny, if you're there, please sort it out. Tell <laughs> <laughs> Benzema how to, uh, how to get this one going. How right, let's go. have... I suppose will we stick to the... Uh, Stick Watch. to the sun here because they seem to be coming up with my favourite headlines for this segment. Cristiano Ronaldo spends £1 million on a wild party with friends in Morocco as gay relationship speculation continues. I've seen that. Who could be <laughs> I'd love to know who could be speculating that Cristiano Ronaldo is gay other than the sun. <laughs> Um, we started this speculation and now we're reporting it. <laughs> Unrelated to his sexual preferences, whether they're true or not, did you see his, Chris's Jingle Bells compilation? Uh, I did. It was the saddest no, thing I've ever seen bad. in my whole entire life. He's basically knocking on his... He's in his very, 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 very expensive house. Very, very expensive house. Worth millions and millions, I could assume. And he's, bas he's basically knocking, you know, just doing noises, you know, just making Jingle Bells out of a total different... Uh, uh, kind of objects like parking his car like it, it's how how do I explain this it's, it's, it's very hard to it's just like say he's tapping on a few pots in his kitchen yeah. and then all of a sudden they he mix it with him kicking a ball off the wall for a beast and then all of a sudden Jingle Bells comes in and it's very uh, it's, and then I think the caption is like this, very is well. my, this is my happy Christmas to you or something like that it's a like bit that. bizarre but it sounds well produced it's very well done but there is a part of the video that uh, really kind of freaks me out it looks a bit more like it should be from Pornhub or somewhere do you know what I'm talking about where it's yeah. like he's kind of shaking up and down just yeah. staring at the Talk screen and mate well look at me I'm going to show you here we're going to media law lecture after this and we'll probably be talking about defamation so let's just let's just keep this one <laughs> oh, please tell me like 
I'm not the only one who feels uncomfortable by this this bit that constantly happens within the video. Uh, I'm just gonna flick through it now. No, just be aware that our, our okay. listeners can't see this. That one little bit is shown regularly throughout this video. Right, and I yeah, don't. I yeah, yeah. It's, it gets me. <laughs> it is a bit disturbing, but that was, you gotta have this interview. So everybody listening at home, please YouTube Jingle Bells Ronaldo style. You will be disappointed. <laughs> but intrigued, nevertheless. I think, you, I think you will be intrigued. All right, that's all we got time for. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks very much, Bream again yeah. and Jacko too. Thanks a million uh, for having us thank on. Thank you. All right, bye. Merry Christmas guys! <laughs>